this is Nikki Lee, your host for Ready for Love Radio. Today we are with Doris Roper, who has written the book Wake Up Your Life. So Doris, tell us, um, first of all, good afternoon, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you, <laughs> glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about what you do. My real passion is working with women in transition, and that's where I'm focusing a lot of my attention on. Um, so for people that may not know off the top of their head, what, what do you classify as a woman in transition? How, how would somebody know if, they're, if they are a woman in transition? Well, if they're going through divorce, widowhood, career change, or facing retirement, those are transitions that often really make them nervous and anxious and fearful. And that is the best well, time to help them because they are very afraid of the unknown. And I have a lot of compassion for women at that stage because I've been through so many transitions myself. You know, I was just thinking with, with the current situation, um, with the economic system and, and finances and, and everything that we're dealing with on a daily basis at this point, pretty much everybody's in some sort of a transition, more more than they have been at any point in my life that I, I can remember, you know, because you, you never know what's going on with, you know, house payments and groceries and jobs, and, you know, it's changing daily for millions of people. So so the information you have to share is, is incredibly timely and something people really, really need to know about more um, more now than pretty much any other time oh, in, in recent memory. Absolutely. And the thing is, um, I'm not American. So when I came here seven years ago, I was struck by how much people spent money on nothing, basically on spending. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I wasn't used to that because that's not uh, the way um, my we used to handle money and get such right. easy credit. The credit, uh, the way you get credit so easily in this country, has a lot to do with that, because there is no yeah, it's, thing it's way here too as, easy to get credit. <laughs> people here don't know the concept of delayed gratification, because with credit you can get everything right now. So this whole you know, collective you know, and if you actually work for it, pardon? Uh, and if you if you actually work for something and then uh-huh. save the money and get it's so much more satisfying at that point because instant gratification i mean it, it's here gone and you know the bills keep coming <laughs> uh, absolutely but the thing is that uh, because everybody's doing it this is your norm you know this is what you grow up with so you're not even aware of the fact that you know there are healthier ways of managing your money i as an outsider noticed it really noticed it and um and I was thinking, oh, my goodness, these people are just spending on stuff. And what happens one day when things change? And that's what's happened now. So this is a yep. real transition because this is like a wake-up call to America. It is. Well, and, and I mean, honestly, people needed it. It was It was so incredibly out of control. It was unreal. And people need a wake-up call. And the thing is, I... I have found, and I, I actually, I learned when I got in over my head at about 21 or 22, learned the lesson because I, I was in over my head, and I said, you know, this is stupid. <laughs> you know? And so I, I really, I learned everything the hard way, unfortunately. But, um, but, but a lot of people be, just think. Isn't that normal? People, we don't learn unless it's the hard way. <laughs> and I'd, I'd like to learn something the easy way. <laughs> just something. <laughs> but that's important, you know, even me. I mean, I, I've naturally been good with money because it's, I don't know, I just taught myself. But I wasn't good 
or very knowledgeable where emotions were concerned. And I had to learn the hard way and really through pain and change my life in that way. And other people have to now change their spending habits and how they think about money. It's actually good, even though it's painful, because we don't really make any changes when everything is comfortable and happy and fun and nice. We don't change. Well, it's hard It's hard to feel that you need to make a change if you're comfortable in life. Well, and, and change isn't easy in most cases. So if, if you're happy and things seem fine, a lot of people are like, you know, why why put the effort into it? I'm fine the way I am. You know, that's kind I know, of the yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, I agree. We don't do anything unless we have a bit of pain. Pain, know, pain is a motivator. <laughs> pain is definitely a motivator. Uh, we are going to talk about that a little bit more, too, here in a little bit. Do you want to give them, um, give the listeners kind of a short summary of how you got to the point where, where your life was woken up? Well, my life was woken up um, in an emotional sense uh, through relationships. And it was because I had the same woman interfere in all three of my major relationships in the town where I lived in South Africa. Um, When it happened the second time, that's what really woke me up because I was shocked. So would you like me to just tell a little bit about the background? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, my uh, husband of two years and I moved to this town near the coast in South Africa and I wanted to start my jewelry business there because I'd always wanted my own business, and I had been trained as a goldsmith and jewelry designer. We, t- we are tennis players, so we joined the local and only tennis club, and we made friends with this other couple. And in this process of all our playing games together, card games, tennis and everything, my husband and this woman fell in love with each other. And, you know, I, I wasn't that hurt that time except for my pride but in the midst of us deciding what uh, we're going to do about it uh, I fell pregnant with my first child and we decided to continue with the marriage which was a disaster anyway and ended five years later then in my next relationship with Dick another tennis player I thought this was great so much better much more intelligent man (laughs) and I thought he was on a different level altogether But two years into that relationship, I discovered that he was cheating on me with the same woman. And this really shocked me. I I was so devastated, I wanted to die. I couldn't believe that I could feel so much pain. And that started me on my journey. I needed to find the answers to life. I needed to understand why this was happening to me. This was not a usual case. I mean, this doesn't normally happen to people, already twice. And that triggered off my journey of growth. And then, um, you know, some years later, my my third relationship, I entered, you know, probably I hadn't grown enough yet and hadn't yet reached the point where I thought I didn't need a man. But almost three years into that relationship, I um, realized it's not good enough, and I broke up with him. And on the rebound, he married that woman. (laughs) <laughs> She's Everything always I there, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> Everything I have learned about human nature and universal laws and psychology, I've learned because of those years with this experience, with the story of me and Candy and Tom, Dick, and Harry. Obviously, I changed the names. <laughs> 
Right. Luckily, I have a good sense of humor, and uh, that helped me a lot. Uh, a sense of humor helps you deal with a lot of stuff. And, it really uh, does. Yeah, now I can laugh about it, and I'm glad I had that experience, even though it was no fun at the time. But it worked. So, do you ever do you ever catch up with her now? After after you've been gone and you, and you're safely away from her, do you ever catch up with her? No, because she lives in South Africa, and I live in in the USA now. But, uh, I, I mean, I'm very happily married now for six years to my husband. And we jokingly say, or some people say to me, uh, am I not afraid that if she saw, met him, she'd take him away too? And, <laughs> and I say, no, not really, because he's a different personality than those first three men. Yeah. Um, those three, Tom, Dick, and Harry were all the same in that they were very handsome and charming. And that's the type of man I fell for at that time. And Candy fell for, had the same taste. And in fact, um, before I left South Africa, when we talked about it, um, and she apologized to me, she didn't do this to hurt me. It was just she had the same taste in men, and she was had a low self-esteem. And uh, I said she shouldn't have taken my men because I had poor taste. And so... Her relationships <laughs> with those men were disastrous, much worse than mine. So, um, and her self-esteem obviously couldn't have been very good because she she kept on getting my hand-me-downs. So low self-esteem is the undoing of a lot of people and get them into a lot of messes. So, but yeah, uh, I, I can tell you I've heard a lot of stories, but I have never heard this story until I talked to you. No, no one has. They say this is ridiculous. They've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> If it hadn't happened to me, I wouldn't have believed it myself. <laughs> well, and I mean, even in fiction, nobody's come up with this one. I mean, no, it sounds like oh. a ridiculous soap opera. <laughs> oh, I tell you, but see, you, but you got past it. You've been there. You've you've seen the ugliness of all this stuff, and and you you got past that. What do you, what do you think is one quality that helped you to? to look at all this and, and to move forward. Because a lot of times we can look at it and dwell on it and think about it and think we're going to do something, but actually getting yourself moving in the right direction seems to be one of the hardest steps. So what do, what do you think actually helped you to, to start to move your life in the right direction? Well, in my case, I think it's because I am very, very practical. You know, I'm just anybody who know, really knows me would immediately describe me as practical. There's just this thing in me that I need to figure it out. I'm a problem solver. So now I need the answers. And I'll, I'll sort of separate myself a little bit as much as I can from the emotions. And I, and I search for the answers. I'll read and go crazy absorbing stuff like a sponge. I read every book on everything, you know, any kind of self-help book. And I, and I analyzed it and I pondered it and figured it out. But what helped me more with the growth was the continuing of the story, you know. And probably what helped me, pushed me the most to grow, was the fact that there was only one tennis club and I wasn't going to give up my sport because I loved it. But how do I face those people? You know, you know that anxious right. feeling, you know, you're all anxious, you have to face these people, you're hurting week after week. And I didn't want to give up my sport because then I'm giving them my power. Because here's what a lot of people do, and, and it's just what we all try and do. We try and avoid pain, right? Mm-hmm. So now we're faced with pain. Now we can either run away from it or work through it. 
you know, working through it is more painful, but once you're on the other side, it's you've you've learned the lesson and you're much stronger. True. Most people That's... most people run away and try and avoid it because it's too painful. So in my I, case I talk to people. Mm-hmm, sorry. I've talked to people that are like, well, I just I just can't face the pain. I'm going to stay in a disastrous relationship because the pain would kill me. And it's like the first thing is you have to start the healing process. In order for that to happen, you've got to make a change, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, pain is a horrible thing, and we've, we've all been through various pain in various situations, you know, not belittling any anybody's, but everybody has been through some sorts of pain. But mm-hmm. the thing is, until you start dealing with it, and facing it and handling it, the, the pain just keeps getting worse in the situations I've been in. The longer you let it go, the worse it is, and it festers, and you get mad. And it, I just, I've never seen anything positive coming out of just letting the pain kind of simmer. No, but and not here's where people kind of don't realize: they think that dealing with that intense pain is too painful, right? So they avoid right. it. But by avoiding it, they are killing themselves softly. True. They are actually being broken down systematically within themselves, in their psyche, their self-esteem. I mean, I know women who, who stay in their marriages because they don't want to face the whole thing of leaving it. But in the meantime, True. their whole identity gets destroyed. So exactly. ultimately, they are going to have to go through the pain anyway. And the sooner you do it, the sooner you can get on with your life and be stronger. That's my practical side speaking, you see. <laughs> I know. Maybe that's what it is because I'll say that to to like family and friends that are in situations, and they're like, "Oh, the pain would kill me." I'm like, "You don't understand. It already is. You know, yeah, you're already letting it do that to you. So maybe it's just my practical. They think it's my stubborn side, but I'm going to say, "No, no, no." Doris says it's my practical side. It is. I like that much mean, better. <laughs> <laughs> it's not stubborn at all. It's actually smart. Um, well, that's what I thought. You know. Well, let, let me give you an example of where I also um, didn't. I mean, it just worked out that way. Okay, so with the tennis club, because I didn't want to give up my sport, I had to deal with it and face the anxiety and that, and that's why it pushed me to really grow so that I can forgive these people so so that they have no power over me and they don't affect me anymore. But my ex-husband, for example, Tom, uh, my marriage was so ugly that whenever I saw his face, even though he was such a handsome man, because of the ugliness in our marriage, to me, he looked like the ugliest person on earth. True. Um, because I saw the inside and his eyes and all these crazy mad eyes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so even though he moved away from the town and I didn't see him, whenever I did see him, because he picked up our kids or whatever, I would cringe inside. And it took me nine years. We were divorced nine years and when I was doing all my growth in that where he came through the town, he and his new, uh, I mean, he had been remarried long ago, came to pick up the kids. And for the first time after nine years, I didn't cringe anymore. And only then did I realize that I was free. So because I didn't have to face him all the time, there was nothing that made me deal with it quicker. And and how they affect you is proof that you still have some unresolved something to heal from. Very true. So after nine years, I was finally free of him. He didn't affect me anymore. Now, if I had avoided the tennis club, I could have also run away from that, not had to face Dick and Candy, and then I would have felt better, 
not the pain, but I wouldn't have been free. I wouldn't have been healed. Well, that would have been instant gratification, though. If you had just avoided them, you didn't have to deal with it, but you felt better, right? You f- yeah, you feel better, but you haven't really healed because then they still have power exactly. over you. They are dictating your life. I would have given up my sport to avoid them. That means they dictate my life, and I have exactly. no power. Yeah. What about, there There are some people I know, and when you say something about you know taking back control or power of your own life, and I think if you don't have power or control over your own life, somebody else does. You know, very simply, but but some people think it's a bad thing to have control and power over your life. What do you what do you tell those kind of people? But uh, I don't think they understand the word power. Um, it's not like um, being dictating to other people. It's be, having power. I, I think that's part of it. I think uh-huh. it's, I think it's some people misinterpreting power because, like you said, that you know if if you stop doing something because of them, then they have more power over you. But we can actually have control of our own lives by facing these things and, and you know, dealing with the situation. Mm-hmm. And it was like you were saying with, you know, some women that, that stay in a bad situation or bad marriage, that's the same thing because once then, – then you have to deal with what other people think and what they say and how they feel about what you've done, you know, instead of just mm-hmm. doing what you need to do for yourself, which I don't think is selfish at all. I think that's things that there are times in life where we need to do what we need to do to make our own personal life better. Well, here's my definition but, of power. It's, it's more empowerment, more than power. Uh, mm-hmm. When you feel completely and utterly happy within yourself, with who you are, you accept yourself, and you don't need a relationship or anybody else to be that happy, then you are True. fully empowered. As soon as True. you are dependent on others or external mm-hmm. things, you have less power because you're... Your happiness and joy depends on something else, someone or something else. So to me, empowerment is being free of that and being completely happy within yourself, no matter what. Yeah. (laughs) Other people have an issue understanding that, though. People don't understand that. It it kind of confuses them. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's a good definition. I like that very much. Yeah, because then you're not at the mercy of someone else or something else. It's power. Very true. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about your writing. Um, do you think that authors have a responsibility to their readers? And if so, what do you what do you think that is? I think that's more so with nonfiction. But what what do you think about? Do you have a responsibility to the people who buy and read your book? Well, I would think so. Um, they don't have to buy it. <laughs> they have the power not to buy it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we aren't going to you know, hypnotize anybody today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would think that if you put out something out there, um, you, you want to help people if it's a nonfiction. It's Very supposed definitely. to improve people's life in some way, even if they just learn one little thing out of your book. Well, that's kind of the way I see it. What's, what's the point of putting it out there if it's not going to help people in some kind of way? Yeah. My book, for example, I... I wrote because I have this unique story and I learned so many lessons from it and or right. and, and because I have this passion for working with women in transition. And already all the women that I've read it that have found it so useful and inspiring. And that was my purpose. But let me tell you a secret. My mother does not want to speak to me anymore because of that book. <laughs> if 
if I had written that, my mother wouldn't talk to me either. It's not my. It's not a secret, is it? Now I'm on the radio, but well, there you go. We'll send her a copy if you want. <laughs> I said, well, I sent her a copy because she wanted a copy, and then she read it, and now won't speak to me anymore. So um, I'm helping other women, and that's why I wrote it. But my mom is taking the sections about her and my past completely personally and uh, is highly upset now. Well, what what happened in our past and how we deal with it or don't deal with it is a big part of who we are as adults. So, I mean, you, that was part of the story that you needed to tell, how you got to the point where you were and things that need to be overcome. But, yeah, I can I can see that might, yeah. Yeah, and then if you've know. read the book and you've seen uh, what I've said about my mother, then maybe it's not that surprising. We've <laughs> 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 oh, never been on the same page. So um, I mean, so when you ask me about responsibility, I wrote it to uh, because I'm free of my mother. I don't have any hard feelings about her, and I'm free and healed. But I wrote it to help other women, and it is right. helping other women. But. Um, but now my brother thinks I'm totally irresponsible for writing, putting it out there in the world with the parts about my mother. <laughs> uh, I, I have learned you can never please your family. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, we, we live on different continents, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I want to see that helps. <laughs> it's not like she's down the street or next door or something. So. No. What are a couple of your of things that you really enjoyed about writing the book. This this is your first book, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What what were a few things that you really enjoyed about it? Well, you know, I enjoyed sharing uh, my story because it's unique. Uh, I don't know if I would have written a book if I didn't have such a unique story. Even though, True. you know, they say we all have a book in us. Um, we all have our own life story. But because I had the Tom, Dick, and Harry and Candy story, I enjoyed using those names. In fact, Dick in the book and my husband came up with the name Candy for the woman, which is interesting. <laughs> that actually just seems kind of appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> and um, So I enjoyed that part of it, and I enjoyed putting in some humorous things, you know, the little quotes and the little tips and advice and exercises. I, I right. basically wanted to make people think. Mm-hmm. What what really tickled me, and I actually meant to go back last night and read the first chapter again, and I just I I didn't finish work till way too late, um, was that that as I was reading, and this could have just been me, but as I was reading, I kept feeling like the undercurrents were get off your butt and do something to help yourself. <laughs> I just kept hearing that in the back of my head, I'm like, no, that's good. <laughs> well, you know, wake up your life, get on with it. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and and if you're too subtle, people just don't get the message I've learned. You know, you you can't just, well, maybe sometime you should do something and maybe you should help yourself. People don't get it. They don't get it when they're in that kind of a situation if you're too, too, too you know, too subtle think, about it. So I think you have to be ready for something. I mean, um, I think you do. I think you do. When I read all the books I read when I was going through my own growth, um you know, some of them really spoke to me because I was ready for it. It's what I needed to right. hear. I read some of those books later, and I didn't know uh, what it was in the book that helped me. But at the time, it really helped me. So you have to be ready, and when you're ready and open the right time, you learn from everything, you know, any kind of words, self-help and other people's experiences. And... Um, 
I'm a very direct person. Um, I, I asked a friend, you know, I, I tried to come up with like a core message for myself, and I did this exercise, and I asked a friend, I said, when you think about me, what comes to mind? <laughs> and she said, and I couldn't use this for the title, she said, cut the, gr cut the crap and get on with it. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> so I said, okay, I can't use those words for all my material. <laughs> I know, I know. Can, can we spice up the tagline a little? <laughs> but, yep, but that that kind of, yep. Well, I got that. I got that from the first chapter, and I'm sitting going, oh, yeah, I like that style. Very good. And, you know, Talk people that are too sensitive for that kind of thing uh, or that are still too much in the victim mindset uh, won't like that. But then they, they're True. obviously not ready. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, like you said, they're they're not ready to hear what they're not ready to hear what they need. But when they are, they they need to read the book. We we were talking at one point in the book. You're saying that there's no such thing as a failure, only mistakes. I love that 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 idea, and I've actually got that up on here on my desk with all my little post-it thingies I've got. Because uh -huh. um, for some reason, saying that you failed is so much more negative than you made a mistake. And and I always tell people too that you know. Even failing and making mistakes aren't the bad thing, but learn from them. Learn from what you did, and don't make the same mistake a second time if you can. You know. Yeah, I think they lessons. They life lessons. Um, they are. If I mean, if if you don't want to learn from them, you're going to have to repeat them until you do learn. But <laughs> I I don't Very think uh, mistakes or failures. I think they will show you how not to do something. So that's a lesson. If you don't make any mistakes or have any failures, so to speak, how will you know the opposite uh, how, when something's right? How will you be able to gauge the difference? You have to That's have experienced it. both. Well, like we said, who who learns things the easy way? <laughs> you know, you well, don't learn and grow if no, everything goes smooth. Me. I, I chose three men, Tom, Dick, and Harry, that were very similar. So I didn't learn the first time. <laughs> or the second time, but you got it the no. third time. <laughs> the second time I learned a lot, but I still had to have the third one to learn even more. But So I don't think those are mistakes or failures. I think if it weren't for that, I wouldn't have learned all that I learned and all that I know now. I needed true. to have the experience and think about true, it true. and you know, analyze it and see, huh, okay, this doesn't work, and this is why, and this, you know. And so on. <laughs> well, and if I remember it too, you you did all the the all each of the men were similar. There was things about them that improved a little bit each time, you know, like you know. But but you had to see the overall, you know, and kind of work through work through the process. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That works. As strong as I was, am as a woman and competent and you know achieving success with work and that, um, emotionally I was so immature or insecure or, you know, I had so much to learn. So right. that's what I learned through all that, to become stronger in that sense. Or face myself, to actually, you know, really accept myself, grow right. and accept myself. Well, I think part of that, too, is, is you know, we, we all hear what the perfect person is supposed to be and what what women are supposed to be from so many different sources. But, you know, being able to be happy with yourself the way you are is just a huge thing in life. It really, 
not easy. It's not. It's not. And and you have to tune other people out a lot of times because <laughs> they all yeah. have their preconceived ideas too. But but that's you okay. We, we can all. Interesting about uh, my daughter, who's 23, um, she gave a copy to a friend of hers who was uh, having problems with her boyfriend, and they broke up. And then the boyfriend ended up reading the book. <laughs> and it's basically a woman uh-huh. for women, right? And you know what? Mm-hmm. It was very, he read the whole book, and he really liked it. He said he could see, yes, how correct it was about how women are, but what really helped him was that he recognized himself in the book as being a weak man. Well, that's what I was saying as I was reading, because I, I know men that need to read that just as much as any women I know. Yeah, and so he, as a weak man, realized look, it made him look at himself and say, but I'm like these weak men in here, and he wanted to change that. And they're working at the relationship, and my book has actually helped their relationship because the man read it. Thank you very much for listening in today. The big question is, are you ready for love?